From Innovation Alley at Marquette University, I'm Chuck Swoboda, and this is Innovators on Tap, a show based on the idea that innovation is about leadership. It's a mindset to find a better way, and ultimately, it's about people. These conversations are designed to allow you to open your mind to new ideas and find ways to put those concepts to work. Together, we can solve big problems and maybe even change the world. One of the key mindsets that I've always looked for in people is their ability to be unafraid of failure, yet unwilling to fail. And today's guest, Amanda Doamaral, is someone who represents this idea. She is the CEO and founder of Fiveable, a social learning network that helps build confidence, content knowledge, and technical skills in high school students trying to earn college credit. Now, while Fiveable today has more than 200,000 users and looks like it is destined for continued success, the journey to this point was anything but easy. From living with her teammates to save money, to hearing no countless times from investors, to even liquidating her retirement account to keep the company afloat, Amanda could have given up many times along the way, but she didn't. She kept going. Now, while we often glamorize entrepreneurship, the fact is, it's extremely hard. And to succeed, you have to be unwilling to fail. As Amanda said in our conversation, failure happens all the time. And we have to understand that even the people we admire made a lot of mistakes as well. And if you have that mindset, it's easier to take the risks. That's what's on tap today. Enjoy. Amanda, welcome, and thanks for joining me today on Innovators on Tap. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I know you started your career as a teacher, and now you're the founder and CEO of Fiveable. And as I read about the journey, it's really quite amazing. And I'm curious, can you explain kind of the moment when you said, I'm doing one thing, but I think I could be an entrepreneur? I actually like remember the moment, but I it for me, it was sort of a it was a whole transition journey. I had gone from the classroom and had come to the conclusion that I just needed to take a break from, from teaching. You know, it was, I was burnt out. I was just in every way. And so I I left my school, I traveled for a while and then uh, found myself then leaving traveling and joining a congressional campaign in upstate New York and it was like on that campaign that I I started just experiencing a whole new, like just who I was connecting with, what we were doing. I was a whole new set of skills that I was sort of starting to unlock. And that at the same time, I started getting some emails from former students that were now in, you know, December, January before their AP exam. And then we're like, Ms. D, you got to help us. Like, we're all about to fail this test. Like, please, I don't, we don't know what to do. Uh, and so I, you know, of course, I, I, let me let me do something. Let me start live streaming. You know, let me start thinking about building an online course or what do I, maybe I can be a YouTube, you know, influencer. I don't know, like started doing all these things. And as I kind of found myself, like I was just so sparked by this. It just felt like this like runway, this endless runway of things I could learn, which just started making me really excited. And the students that, you know, it's not just my own former students, but all these other kids too, that I was like, there, there's all these students on, on Reddit, on discord, on, you know, on all these places looking for, looking for this, like, how could I scale my classroom basically? 
you know, I miss teaching, but I don't want to go back to a school. And so I remember being in my car driving, uh, just like kind of still working on the campaign. And I just had this like moment where I was just like, I realized that I was far more inspired by myself than I was that candidate. What if you just went full force into this? You have no idea what it's going to be. You won't be able to pay yourself. Um, but you have, you know, a family that you could lean on. You have the privilege to do this. Like, what if I just quit and moved home and like lived with my mom and like see what happens? Um, at least then I can then think like I, I put everything I had into it. So that that's what that that was what happened. And then so by the time I got to where I was driving to, I just had decided like I'm quitting the campaign. I'm gonna pack my stuff back up and I'm moving back to Maine, like in my childhood bedroom. Like, let's do it. <laughs> That's exactly how an entrepreneur figures it's going to start right back to your <laughs> childhood bedroom. Exactly. I mean, yeah, just, I don't know. I just had that point. It was like, I think I was, I was probably lucky to have no idea what I was getting myself into because if I knew then I may have like talked myself out of it. So maybe give our audience that 30 second elevator pitch of what exactly is fiveable and not only what it is, but how do you make money at it? Yeah. So we are, we're building social learning and really what that is, is it's about rethinking how students and in our case, high school students are accessing content, you know, especially from creators across the internet, how they are like building community with each other and connecting with other students. And then ultimately just reaching their learning goals. You know, for us, we've started in supporting AP classes uh, and that's part of the how we make money. And so what we do is we we run like cram reviews, just like I did in that first year of live streams with awesome teachers kind of doing like a lot of review fast. Um, but ultimately, we've kind of had this this chance where we've built up this audience of students. Now we're really focused on building out more of the product pieces around that. And the business model will continue to evolve to meet the needs of students. And as we like then scale outside of AP as well, finding other other products that we can then, you know, introduce. So here we are today. It's the end of 2020, actually beginning of 2021. I understand there's 2.9 million students who studied on Fiveable. The site's gotten over 13 million page views. And you've grown from your initial you and the other three people to 17 full-time employees. And you even recently raised three and a half million dollars. So these are incredible stats. But I'm curious, what role did COVID play in making this all happen? Because, um, you know, COVID's obviously can be tough on some people, but I think it's also helped some business. I'm curious, would your business be where it's at today if it wasn't for the pandemic? I don't know. I mean, I think... COVID changed everything and in ways that we don't even know yet. And I think for us, it, it really jumpstarted what we, what we were doing and where we could go. And I think, you know, when we were, if you had asked me a few years ago to like kind of pitch the vision of ed tech and where things are going, there were plenty of, of investors or other folks that were like, yeah, maybe, but that don't, that like, that's going to take a lot. And so COVID just overnight puts everybody online and makes the the future like here, right? And we saw that. And so for us, it was the, the round that we raised last year, I think would have happened eventually. It may have been a harder round. It was a very quick round. Like I went from that first round being a year to this one being like two months and oversubscribed. And I'm still asking, getting people all the time, just like asking if I'm still raising. And so 
I'm in a very different position now where now everybody is an ed tech investor and everybody wants a cut. And um, that is something that has definitely changed the, it's changed a lot for us in that way because people see the opportunity that I have always seen. Um, and I think it's also changed. It's also changed a lot of other pieces too, in ways that like, I, we really don't fully know how, um, to what extent, but for example, like I used to live stream and it was, it was novel. It was like, I was streaming from my bedroom and like nobody else was, and it was fun for the kids. It was new. I'm coming home from school. I'm going to jump on this stream. You know, now like the kids don't want to sit in a stream anymore. Like that's school. And so even just like the, the vision of the product that we had is, has had to change because what students are used to, what's like cool for them has all changed overnight too. So I think in some ways, you know, generally we have definitely benefited from, from what's happened because it's just allowed for our, our vision of the future to like be here faster and we can now like meet those needs. Um, but it's also just kind of, a, a, it's forced us to adapt to in, in ways that we didn't really anticipate. So as I think about your business and helping students, you know, today primarily focused on AP, right? But why don't you think our schools can help the students on their own? In other words, what's the problem that you're solving with AP that our schools are not? I, I mean, what I learned in teaching was just how slow the schools move. The school I taught at was a public school in Oakland. We are one of the most frustrating pieces of it was just the the turnover from the administration and, and the teachers, but also at the district level too. We just could not seem to get things to stick. You know, you would have all these really smart people working on these problems and, and finding solutions to them. But then it was sort of like every year was just like, you know, wipe, wipe the whiteboard down and, and start over. I, I didn't want to build a solution that required schools to make decisions. That was not how I operated in my classroom, even like there was little things and there were big things that I would see wrong and I would go to the school to fix things or to get more resources or to get access to this app or like my students didn't have laptop. We didn't have laptops because we, I taught in a portable that didn't have a ramp, which like obvious ADA violations, but also we could, we physically could not get the Chromebook cart into our classroom. And this is like in the shadows of Silicon Valley. It's like, and I, I called the district every day for like months being like, I need, I have to get this ramp because we have to have these students need access to these computers. Um, and I literally cannot get them that. And so you, you, you just hit wall after wall after wall until eventually you're like, okay, I'm just going to become the tech lead for my school. And now I'm the ones making the decisions. And now I'm going to house this Chromebook cart in my classroom and I'm going to just book it for the whole year. You just like find ways to like get around it. And so at Fiveable, we've found a way to just like reach the students directly. Like I don't want any kid to not get access to something because their school could not make decisions fast enough or that their school didn't want to spend money on it or that the school, the people who are making the decisions don't actually know what the students need. Like they just are very removed. And so for us, it was about building a very student-centered platform where students and teachers could just be here, just find it and decide to use it without anyone else being a part of that decision. Um, and I think that's what gives us the edge. 
unpacking that. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine that's uh, an educator and uh, describing that we were going to have this conversation about Fiveable and that you developed this platform to really facilitate kids, you know, getting ready for the AP test. And they asked an interesting question. Now, I'm going to pose it to you the way they did because it's a little bit challenging, but I think it'll help you answer it better, which is, is what you're doing helping students learn how to better take the test to get a better score? So what some people call teaching to the test, or are you really helping them understand the underlying concepts and content? Yeah, I mean, it's totally valid. And so there, the way that we have, the way that we are, I think one of the things that we just do in our brand and the way that we are with students and in, I think, how students see us um, is the test. Like, I don't care about the test and none of us really do. And and I think it's kind of crazy to hear someone that like runs an AP company say like, I don't care about APs, but like at the end of the day, like in my classroom, this was true too. The AP exam is one of the best tools a students can use right now to actually get credit on in college. So in terms of like playing the game, sure. Yeah. We can help you get a five, but realistically, like it, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. If you, if you don't take, if you don't pass, if you don't get credit for it, like I've seen students get a one theoretically, like they, they see themselves as this massive failure. And I'm like, that's not even true. Like you have actually grown more than a student that got a five. You are now going to benefit more from that. And so the way that we come about it is that the, the building of confidence for students around just choosing to take that test, choosing to take that exam, that, that class is way more important than the score on the test. For me in high school, I always saw AP as like a place for the smart kids. Like, I don't know. I don't belong there. Like, they must know something I don't. A lot of my students felt the same way. And so you have to demystify that. And then you also have to build enough confidence in the students to keep taking those types of academic risks or, or even just any risks. You've mentioned in the past that uh, you point out a really important statistic that women of color receive less than 1% of total VC funding. Why do you think that is and what can we do about it? For me, I think it's, there's not a lot of women, particularly women of color are encouraged to do these types of things because like from a young age, because you, one, you don't see yourself in it. I don't, you don't see other people that look like you actually doing this. And two, like, it's not part of the, like the language that we use for, you know, young women, young girls. Um, I think we sort of like push, push, push them towards other types of careers and, and whatnot. And so they don't, it's like, you only know what you know. You don't even, I didn't even, I didn't know that this was, I didn't know anything about startups. I didn't know anything about venture capital. I had no idea that you could like pitch investors and receive funding to do that. Like I just, I had no idea that those things were available to me. I had seen Shark Tank and I thought it was a thing that, I don't know, like it happens over there. Um, and I think that it then perpetuates because then you have like a lot of investors that don't, that literally do not see me as an entrepreneur. Um, the, the most egregious example I have is this uh, angel group that I was pitching that there was like a kind of a happy hour beforehand or like a cocktail hour, like kind of get to know you. And I'm walking around and I go to introduce myself to someone I, you know, reach my hand out, shake his hand and, and he literally hands me his plate. And so it was like, 
it was like this moment where I just was like, this man thinks that I work at this country club. Like he thinks I'm here to clean the tables. And so he's certainly not going to trust me with his money. That really just kind of like keeps perpetuating it. Like what we think of, of what makes a good entrepreneur has to change. Like I did not go to Stanford. I did not start a company before, but I know my market and my domain better than anybody. And so like who is best suited to build this company? Like I am, I can do this. And I think you need, you need investors who are just willing to see that, who understand that there are so many markets that they don't know anything about, that there are people who know them really well and who are perfectly suited to build in that space. Um, and you have to be able to see people as entrepreneurs, even if they don't come from the, these whatever traditional backgrounds we've decided. So one last question before we shift gears here a little bit. Do you think what you're developing can be applied to improving learning beyond standardized testing? Can we, is there some way to take what you're gaining from this experience, extend this, not just as a product, but really as a learning tool? I certainly hope so. I'm, I think for me and for our whole team, we, we are very much in this to, to democratize access, right? To build a more equitable space for students. And that that is not about test taking for us. It's about access to content, access to community. How do I, you know, I, maybe you think you're the only one at your school that X, or maybe you are the only one at your school that X, but there are other kids out there that don't live in the same place as you that are experiencing the same things that you are. We can connect students around a lot of different affinities and experiences and backgrounds, you know, finding finding your tribe, your people, like people that just you uh, you relate to on things that have nothing to do with school, and then being able to then support each other through whatever it is you're learning. For us, I think it's really about if thinking through community-based learning and what that looks like in a way that we can just really change the narrative for, for kids. Like, you know, I think that's something else that COVID has shown us is that geography shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can work, we can hire anyone anywhere. And so what does it look like for education to fit that narrative too? Like, you know, wh what does it mean to be online and to actually open up access to just people and ideas and experiences and opportunities? I'm going to switch gears now. I want to ask you a series of questions that get into your mindset. So kind of how you personally view certain aspects of entrepreneurship. And the first one is, do you believe that your success has come more from avoiding failure or embracing failure? Um, I think definitely embracing failure. I think failure happens like all the time. I make mistakes all the time. I, we also just like have a culture at Fiveable of just like, even not even necessarily about failure, but it's just like, we have a growth mindset culture, but it's sort of like, we think about ideas as like, you know, I have if I have 10 ideas, eight or nine of them are total trash, likely, you know, like we don't need to try that, that I'm, I shouldn't have even said it out loud kind of thing. But that one or that two ideas that come out of that are, are gold. And so I think we just, we, we make mistakes and like, we're just humans and figuring things out. And I think the more that we understand that even the people that we admire, the people that we know have are ahead of us have made it. And we're, you know, looking up to them, like they made a whole bunch of mistakes too. And they're going to keep making mistakes. And I think if we come at it from a place of, from, from that, then it, it becomes a lot easier to even to take that risk on. 
So what's been more important to the success of your team? Uh, embracing a culture of brutal honesty, even if it sometimes makes people uncomfortable, or really trying to create an environment of psychological safety where you're actually going to you know, adjust conversations and try to make it less confrontational? Um, I, w- I mean, I think we probably live someplace in the middle. I think as part of that growth mindset, like we, we also very much embrace like transparency and um, we build relationships with each other so that we can be brutally honest with each other, but you have to do so in a way that is like lifts people up, you know, that levels them up that we don't want to tear each other down. Like I, I might have an idea for a product or a feature that we don't decide to do. And like, all right, so what? Like, we're going to keep going. Like we're going to figure something else out. It's just, it's not personal. It's meant to, we are just continuously trying to make this all better for the students. And so that's, that's really the the heart of it. If you were going to describe how you personally approach problems, would you say you are more likely to think outside the box, build a better box or set the box on fire? <laughs> uh, sometimes I set the box on fire for sure. And like, and I think in a lot of the like just systemic issues that we're facing today across the board in racial justice and climate justice and education, just everywhere, I, I'm at the point now where I'm ready to set the box on fire and build a new box. Um, but I think in some cases, it's it's about figuring out how there's there's got to be sort of like a, a way to get there, too. Like, I think I've learned, too, that if you set the box on fire, you're also like you don't have anywhere necessarily to start and um, you might make some people mad. So, so, you know, that's fine, but it's sort of like, you have to kind of figure out what makes sense to, uh, to build inside the box in some ways, like to just stay here, but maybe there's something different we can do here and what makes sense to just, you know, light it all on fire. Next question. When you're evaluating talent for your team, what are some of the must-have characteristics that you're looking for? Um, I think the main things are you need people who are, at this stage especially, but I think this will probably be true forever for us, is we need people who are creative and who you find a way. Like, these are prob- they're problem solvers, right? Like, that that mindset that we had in the early days of just, like, there's we're our own worst enemy like we're the only ones that are gonna like totally stand in our way and so you need people who just see just complete like like possibility you know um and i think you we also like really look for people who just like kind of fired up by things they are they're learners they're the ones that are like scrolling through twitter and like clicking different articles and watching different videos like not because anyone told them to but because they they just do they are like interested and curious people that are constantly trying to learn more and talk to new people and come up with new ideas. And so those are, those are some of the threads that exist for all of us that um, I think have, have brought the team together in a way that we were just like here for the same reasons. So what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? I think that especially for women and, and for women of color, um, they, a lot of people like set these like barriers for themselves or these bars based on what the world is setting for us and, you know, the, what we see happening. And I think what we have to understand and the advice that I always give people is just like, there are no rules. There are no molds that you actually have to fit. Um, There's, 
there's just you and your ideas and like how much you can communicate those to other people. And so I think it's just about, you know, if you have something that you, that you really believe is worth working on and is like firing you up and you can't stop thinking about it, just go build it and, and be, be public with it with at least like your, your friends and your family, like your support, like send those like daily or not daily, uh, like monthly like updates so that you can keep people in the loop of how you're doing. Because I remember in the early days just thinking like, okay, when I'm successful, then I'll share what I'm doing. And I, you know, you set some bar of like whatever that success means and it's all made up, right? Like it's just that, that is where I'm holding myself back. And so the more honest I can be with people, like ask the questions, send the DM, like do just put yourself out there and do it because, you know, no one else will, no one else is going to do that for you. And so um, that's kind of how I try to think about it. So as a CEO who has this growing business that is, you know, you have to teach students, but you have to build the platform and everything else. How much time do you still get to teach? Not enough. I'm, I don't stream anymore. And so that's actually been something I've been thinking about a lot. And so I'm going to, we're going to start doing uh, a different form of streams. Like I, up until all the way through last school year, I was still streaming. I streamed for AP human geography straight through the AP season. Um, which I loved, but like building those slide decks and doing all that, like I also have been out of the classroom for too long. And so I, I wouldn't even hire me at this point. And so now I'm sort of like, I, I need to, I teach in other ways. You know, I, I teach my team a lot of things. I teach um, our interns a lot of things, and I'm trying to create new ways for me to still build the connection with our students, but about, about other things, about other topics. Well, this has been an incredible story. I am so excited about uh, what you're doing. And uh, we hope to check back at some point in the future when you have a, a thousand employees. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I'm here for it. Hopefully that, you know, we'll have all kinds of new stories and challenges. And I'll look back to like me right now and be like, oh, like she was so naive and young. And <laughs> but, you know, I'm excited to go through the journey. So I appreciate it. Thanks to Amanda for joining me on today's episode and sharing the ups and downs of her journey with Fiveable, including this incredible advice. A lot of people set the barriers for themselves based upon what the world is doing. You have to realize there are no rules. There are no molds you need to fit. It's just you and your ideas. If you have something you believe in, go build it. We want to thank all of you who have embraced this show, and we hope that you'll tell your friends about it. We'd also really appreciate it if you would take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us on this journey, and let's go change the world. Music.